Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. In this episode, I'm joined with Dave from the Stereo App and also Unapologetic Christian from the Stereo App. We get into a lot of things, the faults in the U.S. educational system, why they don't teach us about finance, fractional reserve banking, income inequality, and wealth distribution disparity. All right, let's get into it. What's going on, Dave? Vin P. Tran, Useless Life Lessons. Useless Life Lesson, a Labor Day barbecue sale. Nobody even knows what Labor Day is about anymore. Nobody realizes that people fought and died for the five-day work week, for the eight-hour work day, for the 40-hour work week. There are memorials in every city for the people that died. And they didn't just die. They were murdered by the government that hired either by government or corporations that hired goon squads that went after them with clubs and bats. Every time a union would try to be formed, right? The coal miners union, um, auto workers union, anytime a union would try to be formed, they would send in these goon squads to crack skulls. That's what Coit Tower is in San Francisco. Nobody knows that. It's a memorial to all the people that died in the labor wars. Wow. I didn't know it was that um, intense. I mean, uh, they make this really complex economic structures where nobody can figure it out easily. And it's not like before, where economic economic situations were simple and easy to understand. Uh, The common public, most of them are not educated enough to understand how money works, how economy works. So... Most of them are unaware how to manage their money, how to take care of their taxes, how to evade some kind of taxes in certain situations. There's no education on that. You know, so government takes advantage of those situations. I do believe that government doesn't uh, allow kids to study this in school, you know, for a reason. Nobody taught us how to do our taxes in school, right? Yeah. So I completely agree with you, Dave. I was just going to say, I completely agree with you. They don't teach you the most basic things in high school. They don't teach you how to balance a checkbook, right? Which should be fundamental. Like, okay, you're going off into the world. You're going to need this. Um, They don't tell you about taxes, about balancing a checkbook, because they want you to be in debt. Because our whole economic system is based on debt, right? Predatory lending. um, Fractional reserved banking is based on debt. And it's a scam once you figure out how it operates, right? A bank, say a bank takes in $100, they can loan out $90. That's insanity. Now they don't have the money to pay back the people who put the $100 in there. But the whole thing yeah. is a shell game so that hopefully only a few people will want their money at a time and they'll have the bank will have made profit off of their investments so that they can then pay you back. But they, you know, if we all went to the bank right now and wanted our money, they wouldn't have it. No way. And also the interest the interest they charge to the debtor or the lender or the debtor, right? Like it's too much. Like it's a lot. Okay. And the returns that we get for depositing our money is very less. You know, so mm-hmm. there's so much disparity in that situation. I mean, and people don't have any money, so they're forced to take debts. They're forced to take debts. And yep. on top of that, they're 
there is huge amount of taxes um, which, which is being spent on pointless wars. <laughs> that just makes the rich richer. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you know that it, it, it takes $400 billion to produce and like there's $400 billion being spent on, uh, on manufacturing F-35 jets. And that's being sold to all, the, to, to all the partners of America, like Belgium, Germany, Turkey, Singapore, Israel. They're selling it all around. And this is a business, this Lockheed Martin is a business subsidiary of the government. Do you know that? Yeah. No, it's gross. It's yeah. Gross. Where's me they on the ground? Yeah, they're market. using they're using eight hundred thousand dollars worth of rockets or missiles to take out twenty people with the three hundred dollar AK, man. Right. Exactly. Not even three hundred dollars in the market. It's pretty much more cheaper. Maybe eighty dollars. It's, <laughs> it, it's it's because. Uh, the corporations run our government, so they encourage the corporations to spend all this money and create all these wars so that they can then make the weapons to profit from it. And ultimately, all the wars are motivated really by central banks who throughout history have been shown to fund both sides of the war because they're making money off both sides. The government will borrow money from a central bank to give to Lockheed Martin or Boeing or, you know, these death manufacturers to buy all these weapons so that they can, quote unquote, protect themselves or invade somebody that they deem a threat. Meanwhile, the bankers are just sitting back laughing. It's really gross. And, and there is high level corruption in the government because there's large number of lobbyists, lobbyists, right? For example, these corporations, they need these wars. They need this policies like pharmaceuticals. They need this certain economic policies uh, and health insurance policies that would support these pharmaceuticals, right? To gain their interest. So what they do is they pay huge amount of money to the senators and also the representatives of the government. So they take huge amount of money, the bureaucrats. And what they do is they push this agenda in such a way that People begin to think our oh, government wants the best for us, but in, in real, like the sickness doesn't really exist. They they create it so they can sell their product. To be honest. Oh, you mean like the Wuhan Institute of Virology working on all these horrible things? Like what could go wrong studying airborne AIDS? What could go wrong studying monkeypox? What could go wrong studying Corona? Yeah, I mean. That's the whole point. I mean, I'm not just talking about those wires. I'm just talking about like the, the fear factor induced in human beings to think that we are constantly yeah. going to get sick. And when we get sick, we need insurance. And for insurance, we need the government. We need to vote for this government. Right? We don't need the government to fix us most of the time. You know what my granddad said? My granddad said, you don't, most of the times, many people go through life without actually getting sick. Ever? 
yeah, there are people who get through life without getting sick, to be honest. And uh, the, the fact that, you know that in most countries, when I'm depressed, right? When I'm clinically, like not clinically depressed, when I'm just depressed, right? I'm not immediately sent to a therapist. I'm not in, immediately sent to a mental uh, health expert and charged for it and given medicine. Do you know that? That's the last resort. But America, people are so dependent on these pills. Like there's a small inconvenience in your body. You immediately prescribe drugs. At least 10, 15 percentage of the college kids and the school kids are dependent on the psychoactive uh, medicines that uh, deal with mental illness, you know? I wonder how much of the failed medical state is due to passing along the risk and liability, like in a giant game of um, hot potato, where like no one wants to be responsible for um, the um, if the care goes wrong. Like if the pill if the pill messes you up, point to the pharmaceuticals. The pharmaceuticals point to someone else, and then it's just up pointing again. Well, the pharmaceutical companies have been protected, whereas you can't sue them. You can't do a class action suit. So, you know, say 10 million people find out that that some injection is giving them a reaction or, or an illness. You can't join together and sue that company. So the, comp the corporations and the companies have all these protections interwoven. Um, so it's really every at every turn the government sides with corporations over people and like what dave was saying about lobbyists i learned this recently there's five lobbyists for every member of congress so imagine that so every day a member of congress is being approached by a different lobbyist every day monday through friday hey can i take you out to lunch hey can i take you out to dinner hey would you like to stay at my hey. condo in hawaii with your family hey Hey, can I get can, can I get you this model, Swedish model from uh, this uh, this year to give you a free handle? Can I get you to do that? Huh? Like all this shit happened. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. Like they use women, bro. They use women to push stuff. Totally. Look at oh, look at Jeffrey Epstein. Look at Jeffrey Epstein. How do you think the whole Epstein thing happened? Because of the, exactly what you're saying, Dave. He was. He was the middleman between those favors that would supply, in this disgusting case, underage women to high-ranking corporate and polit political figures. And and do you know that so recently, G Ghislaine Maxwell, his number two, went to trial. They found her guilty, but they sealed the court records. And their official explanation is that it would it would uh, it was a threat to national security. So what does that mean? That means there were so many high-ranking people on that list that we would be rioting in the streets if they released those names, right? Of course, of course. That would be a crazy, that would be a crazy expose because listen, it could be religious leaders, it could be political leaders, uh, it could be lobbyists, it could be um, corporate heads, and it could destroy mm -hmm. the whole structure, like whole substructure. That's like when Kevin Spacey was uh, caught with uh, forcing men, or you know, even underage. Oh. I'm not sure about underage. But then he came out that he's gay like two weeks before that it happened. Right. You understand? So yep. I, do feel, I do feel there is a pedophilic agenda going on to normalize it by 
the elites because they have to do absolutely. it absolutely you know, because uh, I do feel like the debauchery that's going on I mean I I understand gender in certain sense I understand uh, all that but the extremity of this whole situation is kind of absurd right it really where is it, it has created such massive confusion even among children where they can't even grammatically understand the situation right we have reached a situation yeah. where people are offended when we don't address them by the right gender i mean i used to live in a time where people used to say the most meanest horrible shit and you just laugh it off right you don't take it to heart yeah well when we were growing up there was a phrase sticks and stones can break my bones but words can never hurt me yes and i used to have the worst situations i mean it was not just guys there was girls all kinds of bullying happened i mean it was back and forth but there was it existed but we just washed it off and walked away but now mm-hmm. we are creating um a large amount of population especially men who are so sensitive to everything yeah yeah and it's you and hurt it's, my feelings well so what get over it <laughs> the difficulty i have with the pc culture is um there's like actual violence all over the world and um no one bats an eye about like you know not really much about genocide or the other like um i call them real crimes against humanity and like Thanks. you know this feels like a giant distraction where it's like give them a cause and shut them up yeah thank you vin for mentioning that um i was just skipping through a talk here in stereo i heard recently where somebody was talking about uh cambodia and the pol pot regime and the horrors and the and the the extermination and genocide that was being committed there and then um you know you've got yemen going on right now the world's worst humanitarian crisis going on in yemen perpetrated by saudi arabia with weapons supplied by the us Nobody's talking about that. Oh, but let me wave my Ukrainian flag and and you got to call me by these certain pronouns and like who cares about your pronoun? There's real shit going on. I actually had somebody tell me because I said that there were two genders. They said I I feel like you're being violent. Like, "Whoa, slow your roll." That's crazy. Here's a fun talk. fact. I I said in the sap that God like I was trying to convey that God exists. The message was that God exists. And apparently saying that god exists makes me a homophobe. <laughs> well, it's they're, they're it's assuming absurd. that you they're assuming that yeah. your god is anti-gay. That's crazy. Yeah. It's instantly they think that, you know, I'm homophobe. I'm not. Like I'm telling you this. If I see someone getting bullied or harassed physically, okay? I don't know much about words, okay? But if if someone is getting troubled with words even if he whatever gender he is whatever his sexuality is i would step in to help i would protect that man or woman or whatever they call themselves i would protect them Same. stand and help support them because that's yeah. what my religion states or the idea of what my god did was to stand up for the weak and you do that right right whoever your whoever your neighbor is you do here's the fun fact all this hate on men okay all this hate on men i mean i'm not saying that women also don't get hate nowadays they do too but men 
are hated so much. But they forget that we are the substructure of society, man. We 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 did so we much. We are the manual. Labor. We did so much, you know. We 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 created the structure for society. I mean, we all enjoy it, but you 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 see how the uh, Empire State Building was built, how the trade centers were built. There's men sitting at like high high. Have you seen those cranes? They work on those plays. They take lunch breaks on top of those cranes. You know how many people might have yeah. fell and died? <laughs> Crazy. I know a guy was talking about earlier about being in a mine and he told me about all the danger they go through there and he said he actually yeah. enjoyed the work all those walks once you get over the fear I imagine yeah. we are seen as we are seen as expendable man I mean men are seen as expendable we are seen as it's we are true. seen as human beings human beings that could be dispo- disposed why do you think they send us for wars? <laughs> yeah, I think I think in the old days the agreement was if you came back then you were a hero. If you survived just... and you and your, your side won, then um, you got a better life for you and your family. And it, yeah, what happened like to that? Them. Nobody came back. Even the ones who came back came with like one limb or one eye. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was horrible. But it was horrible. I mean, of course. You know what? Here's another fun fact. Men were allowed to vote in the early centuries because they participated in war. That's why they had the right to vote. Do you know this? Right to what? Oh, work? Vote. Like vote. Like cast their votes. Back in the day, because men fought in wars, they were given the right to vote. They earned it. They earned the right to vote. They had a say because they fought those wars. They're putting their life at risk to protect societies, right? Yeah. But once we yeah, establish perfect. like safety, once we establish safety, now everybody gets the right to vote. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, men fought to get that freedom. People forget that. Yeah, it was originally uh, landowning men that got to vote. White landowning yeah. men. Yeah. It, it feels like we don't these days, the talking points are like they think history is five years old from the narrative. You know, there's so much hate towards white people, but you know, I'm not white, but I gotta say this you know, that people who are fighting against racism also were white. Yeah, not the majority, though. Not the majority, but there was, there was a population that fought against it, too. I mean, just calling a whole race racist because you're white is kind of stupid and pathetic, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm the least racist person. I would like you. I'm a, I'm an advocate for the underdog, and I would fight to support somebody. I don't give a shit what their color is, and I'd be more inclined to fight to support them if they're not white because they need more help and support. Then, um, I recently went back to school and I'm studying U.S. history, and my teacher's taken a really cool approach on it. We're reading this book. Oh, I got it right here. What is it? It's called A Different Mirror by Ronald Takai. And it's it's not looking at the U.S. history through the lens of European-centric view, but he's a Japanese-American. So it's looking at what, well, what happened to the Japanese-Americans? What happened to Chinese-Americans? What happened to the Irish? What happened to ev- you know, every different ethnicity? I'm sure we'll get into 
Cambodia and, 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 you know, the horrors there and the Cambodian refugee crisis. And, but it's really interesting, you know. Um, what I'm trying to say is there's so many minorities in America that's like, you know, really marginalized and struggling. But do you know what's crazy? There's also a large number of mi minorities um, that actually made it out. They worked hard and got out of that shit. You know, they didn't sit there and complain. They said, like, you know what, life is unfair, so we're going to fight. They worked in 7-Elevens and whatever the fuck they could work in, and they put their children through school, and now their second generation is actually doing pretty well. Yeah. They're owning yeah. more than the, the regular American. The Asian community. Oh, yeah, the Asian community is a prime example of that. Like, I lived in San Francisco, and I'll just tell the story of this one guy I knew. Um heap he was a vietnamese uh person that came over here you know probably refugee status whatever <clears throat> he just worked you know he worked cleaning ashtrays at a hotel doing whatever you know but he and his family all lived together you know probably in pretty crowded place but they saved their money 20 years later i'm going into a place to get a cup of tea in the morning on my way to work and I see this guy that looks familiar and he goes, Dave, Dave Smith. And I'm like, oh, man, he's like, heap from the Villa Florence Hotel. And I'm like, oh, man, how's it going? You work here? He's like, yeah, this is my coffee shop. This is my coffee shop. I'm like, I'm getting choked up when I when I say the story because it's fucking beautiful. But he did that, man. He, but his whole it family is. worked together. You know, his whole family yeah. worked together with a goal. We're going to get the fuck out of this. We're going to get on the other side of it. And his family's probably doing way better than mine. That's that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, that's a real American dream that not everybody has at the same level. But if you work hard enough, if you work through shit, you will actually make it more than any other country in the world right now. America actually made so many... They have the highest amount of billionaires, man. America has the highest amount of billionaires. You know? I wanted to add to so, that. Yeah. My, my parents, my mom's side came from Cambodia in helicopters. And um, wow. there's opportunities and chances that are kind of given to like people if they trust you. And um, my parents' side have always been like trustworthy people, high character. And um, they got a loan to start a um, donut shop. And wow. they've been doing pretty well for themselves ever since. Like, we have big houses, um, cars, and they still, like, are good people. So um, our, our, like, man, our man here awesome, man. himself, our man himself here is a Cambodian success story. The family is a Cambodian success story. Yep. That's beautiful. But um, I wanted to add that um, your character matters too, because if you just work hard, but you're like grumbling, then um, people aren't going to give you those shots that are for people who, you know, have that generic good attitude and um, I want to put in the time. And there's a, there's a lot of character traits, I think, that go into success. Do you think that uh, children in Yemen or teenagers in Yemen or Afghanistan or Syria, do you think they have the time to fight e over each other on their pronouns right now? Do you think they care? Do, or they care about the existence? Yeah. Do you think it yeah, really matters to, get, to them? <laughs> they're trying to get water. They're trying to get food. They're trying to get shelter. 
it's, yeah. it's the excess comfort you guys have is causing you to do this, man. Is the excess comfort like you guys sit around and you create problems for yourself? It's almost like that. Well, like exactly. you have always I mean, so much freedom. For God. Well, exactly. And let let's look at the pronoun thing. If if you didn't have a perfectly comfortable life with all these luxuries, would you have the the luxury to sit back and think about what pronoun I want to be called? I mean, how low down on the list of priorities is that? as far as survival and 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 thriving in a society and, and i i really kind of look at it like sacrilegious to the fight that the gay community made for equal rights because now the trans community is experiencing these equal rights but it's not enough they want to be able to compete in women's sports they want you to call them whatever they want you to call them and we have to learn a language and i'm phobic if i don't say the right thing at the right time even though I accept all people and I want equal treatment and equal pay for all people. So I don't understand that whole thing. To me, that's a prime example of, 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 of being lost in luxury, like you which were just is, talking which about. Is, which is creating another wave of men who are toxic themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Theme begins with right. disenchanting with men. Men don't see a way up. And so just give me yeah. just give me a second, I'll be right back. Like um I, I kinda go online a lot and um when I hear the talks, it's more of um I do everything that I'm supposed to do, but I, I'm not getting ahead and it doesn't seem like I ever will get ahead. So there's al- alternative um ideas on um escaping the propaganda that people are trying out. Um I think it's a I think it's a fad, honestly. I think men and women have to reconcile eventually. I think so, too. Um, yeah, it's interesting what you said, because, I mean, I, I fall into that group. I'm working hard, but I can't seem to get ahead. And granted, it's mostly because of decisions I made in my past. Right. So I'm not yeah. I'm not blame. I'm not blaming society or people or anything. You know, I fucked up and wasted a lot of years. And now I'm going, oh, shit, <laughs> what am I going to do? Right, but there's nobody to blame for that except myself. Yeah, because I could have made other choices, and then I'd be in a different place right now. You know, and I and I see people that did make different choices, and they are in a different place. Is it more of um you have a like um gratitude that they got um there or is there a little bit of jealousy because I have a bit of both in my head oh yeah there's definitely a bit of jealousy um you know like one of my friends worked hard and everything but I got him the job that he worked hard at and he would have never been able to afford to buy a house unless his whole family went in on it together and my family doesn't operate like that we don't even talk about money Nobody ever talked about, hey, let's go in on a house and then we can each buy a house. Then we can start rental properties. Then we can become a property management company. Like my my family doesn't think like that at all. His family did. And uh, so they each own their own home, you know. And at one point they did have a couple of rental properties. They don't anymore. But, but through teamwork and through that kind of, I guess what I would call since what we were just talking about, that immigrant mentality of let's bond together and work this system, you know, they, they were able to do that. 
So there's definitely a little jealousy there, right? Because now he's sitting back, he's got all this equity and doesn't really have to work much and doesn't have much drive to work much. So there's a little jealousy there, yeah. I think the immigrant advantage comes down to other people in your family are a safety net. And not only a safety net, but but um, working towards a mutual goal sometimes, right? Like whether yeah. it be a donut shop or a restaurant or property ownership, right? Like, hey, we're going to do this together because it's going to benefit all of us. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, might be vaguely a communist ideal, right? Because here in this country, we're taught rugged individualism. Do it yourself, right? Well, it's really hard to do anything yourself. You need a support network. You know, if you have a, a an investor with you, then it's 50% easier to do. If you have two, then it's 30, you know, yeah. it's exponentially easier the more people you get involved, right? So I think that's part of the downfall of this country is preaching this fallacy of rugged individualism when we know the only reason that we're successful as a race, humans, is because we, you know, because we form tribes and villages and communities, because we hunt together, right? If we each had to go out there and try to survive on our own, it'd be like living on a desert island, you know? Good luck hunting a deer by yourself with a bow and arrow, but you get 25 people out there you know, some of them chasing the deer your way, it becomes easier, right? Yeah, um, that reminded me of the Homestead Act back in the 1800s, where they said, um, right, you know, families can get up and move to um, middle of nowhere, basically, but um, it is yours to take. Right, right. Imagine that. Imagine life in that time. That must have been a trip. Because here, yeah, here, the reason they're doing that. The reason they were doing that is to purge the whole country of, of Native Americans, right? So here, go, you know, go form a homestead, kill some Indians protecting your land. Um, so that was part of it. That was the main part of it, really. But then the whole the whole reality of it is, you know, here's 50 acres. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. How are you going like to do they, it? Right. They dealt some hardship, like plagues of locusts. I just swarmed their land every once in a while or dust boats. Right. Right. Or just, I mean, imagine like you got 50 acres. What are you going to do? Your family's got to eat. How do you do it? That's a lot. Right. Yeah. There's no Walmart, you know. Alright, thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. This is a multi-part series on wealth distribution disparity. If you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm throwing down, please do spread it around and share with friends and on social media. Peace.